0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti and this is Yoga Land. Hi there, Jason. Hi, Andrea. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well.
0: You staying warm and dry?
1: Dry, yes, warm mostly.
0: For those of you who are not in California right now, if you're wondering if we are about to fall in the ocean, the it's answer possible. is yes. It's, it's possible. We're close. We're close. Yeah. yeah.
1: And for those of you that aren't in California, you probably have about 0.00 sympathy for us and our weather.
0: No, I know. I, yeah, I realize that. But the 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 images on the news are dramatic. There. And it is dramatic. And it is. Climate change is real, folks. Climate change is real. Okay, but we're not going to talk about that today because we're not, even though you are an amateur weatherman,
1: I, I you're am,
0: not a professional.
1: I, let, let me, I am an avid consumer of meteorology, meteorological information.
0: So here's- I little, always have been. Here's a little fun fact about Jason. Uh if you don't know, he has ADHD, which is like a form of neurodiversity. And I always thought that he, I just thought like his obsession with weather facts, we're going to go this direction. I didn't, never knew that his obsession with weather facts, I always thought it was just kind of funny and quirky. And then when I learned about neurodiversity, I realized, we realized it's your special interest. It's It's one one of your special interests, Yeah. which is, a very common thing in neurodiversity. So now I well, like embrace it. Fi- I find it, and it's you're the thing about a special interest, is that it tends to be something that the person is fairly good at, like processing and digesting. So like you could you could walk up to Jason. I dare but someone don't, to don't, do this.
1: No, 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 don't, don't.
0: anytime and ask him the rainfall totals, in your area where where he is teaching in that, like. How, only or, California. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. yeah Just because yeah, yeah. of the drought. Yeah. Yeah. He knows yeah. rainfall totals at any time.
1: Yeah. I know about precipitation mm-hmm. and yoga. Yes. I well, actually know a lot about Precipitation, but...
0: coming storms, temperatures, yeah. average temps, et yeah. cetera. But today, we're...
1: espionage writing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and chihuahuas.
1: And teaching beginners. Which, speaking of which.
0: Oh, there we go. Oh, my gosh. Great segue. Great segue. Great segue. We are going to be launching your beginner's course uh, this weekend.
1: Uh Monday.
0: Monday the this 15th. Monday, the sorry. 15th. I thought the 15th. I thought the 15th was a Sunday.
1: Jan- whatever whatever the 15th is. Whatever the 15th January
0: is, January 15th. we yeah. Yep. We're good at lots of things but not the calendar. It's going to launch the 15th. If you want to learn about it, you can join if you or if you want to be notified when it launches, you can join the waitlist at learn.jasonyoga.com/beginners. That's also where the landing page will be once it's on sale. Once and, and that will give you all the details of the curriculum and all that good stuff. So
1: I want to do one more quick plug, there. which is just to tell everyone that um, my anatomy online training is going to be coming out before too long, and to also let people know that the online two hundred hour online 300 hour will also be happening this year. Um, there'll also be a hybrid 300 hour training happening online slash in London. So a bunch of other trainings and a bunch of opportunities and we'll have those dates and we'll have registration and we'll have information up within the next week or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Once you get the hybrid settled, we'll talk about the studio cause it's a cool new studio in London, yeah. but for now, We're going to finally land on our theme topic for today, which is the essential asana concepts to teach beginners.
1: Yeah. So here's one of the things that I like about teaching a specific group of students. It gives me the opportunity to prioritize. And I think one of the things as a yoga teacher that is, it's challenging It runs the gamut between challenging all the way to frustrating, both for myself and many other yoga teachers, is a lot of times we're teaching very randomly. And that doesn't mean class is not good or comprehensive or complete, but I think when we acknowledge we're teachers and we're teaching a subject matter, sometimes we also realize, man, this just feels so random and what are my priorities? And when we work with beginners, I mean, you can do this anytime, but especially when you're working with beginners, you can take a step back and say, what are my priorities from beginning to end? If I could teach my beginners five things about X or five things about Y, what are they? So I have taken a step back and asked myself if I can teach somewhere between five and 10 primary concepts to students about asana what are they and the first one is probably going to come as no surprise actually a lot of these should come as no surprise but it's really important that we know these and to be honest it's really important that we spell these things out to our new students and number one is yoga shouldn't hurt Mm -hmm. it shouldn't hurt yoga can be difficult it can be challenging it can be cumbersome it can be awkward it can take you to your physical mental and emotional edges it's demanding but it shouldn't hurt and and we we can kind of unpack this a little bit but i think that there is an important understanding that we want to pass along to our students which is if a posture hurts there's something wrong about the way that posture is being done or the degree to which that posture is being done does that make sense yeah right uh-huh. and so as a teacher especially when working with beginners we want to know that we can troubleshoot postures that hurt usually pretty easily by changing the alignment or by changing the intensity demand of the pose oftentimes decreasing intensity and increasing support. But kind of communicating to the students, listen, this can be difficult, this can be awkward, this can be frustrating, but if something hurts, stop and then let me know. Mm -hmm. You wanna also, along with this, let your students know that you are a resource, not necessarily for fixing some sort of injury or underlying pathology, but for helping them sort out the pose so that they can do it in a way that's commensurate with their body's needs.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like the inverse of no pain, no
1: gain. It is, mm-hmm. it is. And again, I, I think one thing One thing as like a, uh, a quick qualifier, it can be very difficult to discern the various layers of sensation that run the gamut of awkward and uncomfortable, but ultimately okay, to, oops, this hurts and it's yeah. a problem. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it can be very difficult to make that discernment, mm-hmm. especially when you're new. Yeah, But especially when you're new, it also pays to be a little bit more conservative. I think another just very general piece of advice about hurt that we can pass along, and again, I, I think that this is pretty well known, so this might come as a reminder, when something feels sharp, acute, and local, right? When you, when you have, when I'm in a pose, when I'm in warrior two, when I'm new, and my front thigh is uncomfortable because it's really fatiguing out, and my shoulders are uncomfortable because it's fatiguing out, or you know I'm doing something and it feels kind of weird, and I'm, I'm not straining, but it's difficult because it's new and dynamic, fine. If I have a specific local acute discomfort in the inside of my right knee, that's different. And so kind of of qualifying this with, hey, one basic good way to think about the okay natural pain of a growth process, or is this a problem, is to help people understand if it's sharp, if it's local, if it's acute, or if it's triggering of some sort of existing injury or symptom that someone might have. Those are very clear indications to stop, back off, and let's troubleshoot.
0: Yep. Okay. Next concept.
1: Integrity of movement is more important than range of movement. I'll say it again. Integrity of movement is more important than range of movement. When your new students come in, they are likely to be desirous of flexibility gains and that's okay that's fine increasing your range of motion and increasing your flexibility is often a really valuable thing it's not something that out of context we want to shame or vilify like like it feels good to be more mobile in the body for sure but when people come into yoga there tends to be such a strong predisposition to focus on flexibility that we can often focus too much on flexibility and focus too little on how all of the parts of the body are actually working together in a pose. So increasing your flexibility is often valuable, but also so is increasing your proprioception. So is increasing your strength. So is increasing your active range of motion. So is increasing your capacity to relax and surrender. So not vilifying or throwing flexibility under the bus, but helping to coach up the value of those other those other physical attributes in this practice, I think, are hugely important.
0: Can you think of um a simple pose that teachers are teaching beginners where they have an opportunity to teach
1: this concept? Like I think I think more important than a pose, let's think about a region of the body, right? So for a beginner, when you think about flexibility, what do you think about? Your hamstrings in yeah. a forward bend, Yeah, right? It, like, literally, your hamstrings in a forward bend. Somehow that symbolizes uh, proficiency in a human body and in yoga, right? It's just easy to measure and it's very commonly in people's heads. So as a yoga teacher, we can... We can help students increase flexibility in their hamstrings, but we can also help students increase their concentric strength in their hamstrings, or they're isometric, or they're eccentric. So one of the ways that we could work on this is is for a beginner say, look, okay, today we're going to focus a little bit more on lengthening your hamstrings. But as we lengthen our hamstrings we're also going to focus on strengthening them. Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of students, not only do we have tighter hamstrings, we often have pretty weak hamstrings. And you know what? The hamstrings are not completely isolatable from the muscles they work with, like the glutes. So yes, it's okay to work on your forward bends and work on getting your hands closer to the floor. There's nothing wrong with that. We're gonna work on that. And also equally important is strengthening the hamstrings and strengthening the glutes. So as frequently as we're going to work on our forward folds, we're also going to be doing things that strengthen those regions too. Like just, just kind of like yeah, that's great. bringing greater parity, right, to how things work.
0: The next one is there's nothing to prove, but so much to learn.
1: There is nothing to prove, man. I, I just, I really realize. I mean, I don't I don't know actually if you see me this way, but I really want people's approval when it comes to people that I like and respect, right? In a lot of ways like I'm not someone that says oh, I don't care what people think about me. I actually do care about what people think of me for better and for worse. But I especially care what people think about me when I'm Involved in a pursuit, and there are and there are people there that are good at that thing, mm-hmm. right? Like I always wanted to impress my hockey coaches. Always, mm-hmm. I always wanted to impress the people I skateboarded with. I always want to like look good in the light of the thing that um, I take pride in. Mm-hmm. And so I say these things because I think it's really normal and natural for a yoga student, even a new student, to want to seem good sure. and to want to look good. but but And I think that's a normal thing. I think it's probably even a healthy thing. However, I want new students to know that I care about how well they engage with the practice and how well they focus and their consistency, but you don't have to prove to me anything. Especially when you're working with beginners Man, I just don't expect anyone to know anything. I don't expect people's going back to the last part of the conversation, I don't expect you to be able to touch the floor. I don't care if you can do a standing forward bend and put the palms flat on the mat or not. Like I don't care. Mm-hmm. You don't have to prove any of those things to me. I don't care if you have strong hamstrings or not strong hamstrings. Like I think one of the great things that we can allow ourselves to be when we're a beginner is an actual beginner. Mm-hmm. Right? So You have nothing to prove, but at the same time, there is there are so many things about ourselves that we will learn.
0: I think it's incredibly difficult to get out of the mindset of wanting to perform for a teacher. Yes. Because that's so much of what we're taught. And like you said, there's actually nothing wrong. Like when you said, I wanted to be good at hockey or I wanted to be good at skateboarding, it's like the fact that you wanted to be good at hockey made you really coachable, I'm yes, sure. Yes, Because you really wanted to work hard. So yeah. there is something innate in the ego, right, that yeah. drives us that is not as always problematic. But in yoga, it's just, it's, it's nice because it's the one place where you can clearly articulate to people, um, it's going to be natural that you're going to want to have, you're going to do some inner performing. But- I promise you that it's it doesn't matter to me, right? Totally. And, and just giving people that permission, I think it just sets a really nice, powerful tone for people that they're not gonna be accustomed to. I still find that if I haven't practiced for a long time and I go to a new teacher's class and they know who I am, I'm like, oh God, they're gonna be kind of watching my practice and I have to check myself yeah. and just say, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's even if they do for a little bit, it's normal. And even if I care for a little bit, it's normal. But ultimately, I'm there for the practice of myself. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I make a big point on this at the beginning of all of my advanced trainings, all of my longer format trainings. Like, if you can press the handstand, I do not care. I'm not impressed. If you can't do handstand, I don't care. I'm not disappointed. All I care about is that you care about this. And that you're doing the best, working with the qualities and the dynamics that you actually possess.
0: Next attribute concept is you will get confused at times, and that's not a problem.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting thing, right? I I don't know if kids have this, probably, but certainly as adults, I think a lot of times, maybe even most times we're not always very good learners because being conf- being in a state of confusion and awkwardness feels unbecoming but the reality is yoga postures are sometimes complicated mm-hmm. they're nuanced they're hard like this is not obviously there's a huge range of demand and styles of yoga and approaches and postures but the reality is for the vast majority of people and the vast majority of yoga classes there's some awkwardness and confusion with being new mm-hmm. and i want my students to know that that's normal that that's healthy that that's like that's we're growing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean can you imagine a scenario where we never put ourselves in a context where something is new or confusing or difficult life is going to get really small and so anytime we we expand ourselves and put ourselves in an environment where we're challenged by something new, it's it's going to be awkward and confusing at times and that's really okay. I actually think that part of the most important growth that occurs for yoga students is learning to be okay in a state of not knowing, mm. learning to be okay in a state of confusion, mm-hmm. learning to be okay that, oh, someone else can touch their toes and I can't touch my toes and actually that's okay mm-hmm. because this isn't a competition between them and me, mm-hmm. right? So I just I want students to know that it's okay to be in a growth period and it might feel awkward, but it feels awkward for everyone. If you were learning to swim, mm-hmm. right? If you never swam, it's gonna be difficult. If you've never played a certain instrument and you're trying to figure out how to position your hand on a guitar, It's confusing, it's awkward, but that's okay. That's actually how we learn and grow. There shouldn't be an expectation otherwise.
0: It's almost like underscoring the value of letting yourself be a beginner.
1: Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, The next one that really jumps off the page to me is that it's your body and your body knows best, right? And I wanna unpack this a little bit because as a yoga teacher... I know a lot more about executing postures than my students know, but I don't know how my students really feel in their body when they're doing postures. So from a purely technical perspective, like, no, I know way more about yoga poses than my students do. In this setting, I am the teacher. I am the guide. I am... I don't want to say the authority, but in that setting, I am the authority on the subject. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I am the authority on the subject of yoga and the postures that we're working on. But ultimately, I don't feel what it feels like to be in your hamstrings. I don't know what your knee feels like. Even if I sent out a waiver before class about, you know, what are your injuries and blah, 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 I don't. That's not a very exhausted, fully vetted dynamic. You may have all sorts of physical challenges that you experience in a pose that I don't know. So what I mean by this is when you're learning a yoga pose, yoga poses, it's like a co-creation. It's, it's me or the teacher guiding your way and giving you some really important, valuable technical insights. But it's your body to determine whether or not it the pose is working or not working. I think this touches on a a worldview issue. I think for a very long period of time, there was a worldview that the yoga posture is an empirically good, healthy, appropriate thing to do. That that there is this is kind of an absolute truth and value in the pose or in the action or in the sequence. Mm. And therefore the student is to do that thing, period. Mm. Right? And now I think we have I think we have evolved our sensibilities about things to see that there's only implicit value in a pose or an action or a technique or a sequence if it actually works for the person that's doing it, Mm -hmm. right? So I think we're in an era that is much less absolutist about the value of any given pose and any given technique. Mm -hmm. And I can say also as a teacher, well, that's kind of confusing too. Right, it's a little bit confusing to not know if there's absolute value for everybody in every pose. But but the reality that a student, like I want a student to know is they ultimately get to make the choice about whether or not a certain pose or a certain, a certain set of actions is working for them or not, it's their body
0: so what i'm hearing is interesting and i know what you're saying about this this sort of older way of teaching which when you think about it has a little bit of magical thinking in it right like bridge pose is and there really was this i think um even in some of the way that the texts are written things like this like you know this is going to release the nectar at the back of the neck, all these things, right? Um, And that's just not where you and I are. Yes. Um, Although we do think there's like, I do think that there is a magic to the practice as a whole. Totally. And there's like an alchemy that does happen that's that's beyond our intellectual understanding. However, I don't think it's possible. I think one way for people to frame this for themselves is it is not possible... To understand the nuances of every person's body, every person's, you know, musculoskeletal system, uh, mental health background, pain receptor status, you know, all of these different things. Like, no matter how much you educate yourself, you're not going to know every single human being's response to to oppose.
1: What you're saying is interesting because originally when I think about it, it is your body it, and your body knows best. Like originally when I think about that, it's it's for the benefit, the health, the safety, the empowerment, and the autonomy of the student. But it goes both ways. Right. It goes both ways. That's
0: what I was hearing when you were describing it.
1: Yeah, because ultimately... Um, i don't want the burden of assuming i know best about your body if everything's working yes right now i know best about certain um technique in postures right but i don't i can't presume that the posture is right and all I need to do is ensure that you do that thing in exact in an exacting way, and good things will happen. I can't know exactly what you said. Like I know that I don't know your experience of oppose. And therefore, because I can't know that, I don't want the responsibility of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, wise. I don't want the responsibility of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So another thing that that comes up, okay, which is and this is pretty much with everything, but we're still mostly focused on asana concepts, which is as a new student. Also, FYI, like all of these concepts aren't just for us as beginners. These these are these are lifelong concepts and practices to work with and refine and develop. Uh, But this next one is to embrace repetition simplicity and consistency okay i think that beginners actually like repetition simplicity and consistency and it's that teachers fear that they don't and i've said this on the podcast so many times one of our biggest fears is to bore our students mm-hmm. and and that's like that's really legitimate I mean, to be in front of a group and to be guiding a group and to think that like you're boring the socks off of people is a remarkably unpleasant thought. Like it is really remarkably unpleasant. And so it, that is a normal fear. It's also like sometimes we do bore people. So the antidote to our fear of boredom is sometimes as teachers we don't impl- embrace repetition we don't embrace simplicity we don't embrace consistency and and when we don't embrace those things our students don't actually learn very well mm-hmm.
0: and they feel lost and they, they don't feel, feel lost. the satisfaction of
1: mastery exactly you know exactly you have to you like one of the most important things the most important overall things when you're working with anyone but especially beginners is that you have a warm environment and that you build comfort and trust quickly and one of the ways to have a warm environment and build comfort and trust is through consistency and repetition and clarifying the value of those things so this is something that that as a teacher it's not really that you apologize for but all of these points that we are talking about see them directly to your students mm-hmm. And one of the things to say to your students is always, but especially at this phase, we're focused on the fundamentals. We're going to do a lot of repetition. We're going to be really consistent. We're going to be simple because simple things done well actually work. And when you do simple things well long enough, you develop all of the fundamentals that the other stuff can build on top of. But if we skip these steps, Or if we lack consistency or we jump around, we're just not going to develop our skill set nearly as well, nearly as quickly. Mm -hmm. The next thing is immediately related to this, right? Which is that yoga is a lifelong practice and then it's gonna grow, it's gonna evolve, and it's gonna change, right? Like I try to communicate that to students. I'll give you, I'll give you one example. This comes up a lot in for me when I'm teaching my 200 hour training and actually even when in other contexts in this beginner's program, okay? I let people know all the time, hey, right now, this is what we're focused on. But that doesn't mean this is gonna be the only thing we focus on in this pose, and this doesn't even mean this has to be the way that you're gonna do this pose forever. For example, when I'm working with standing poses, one of my main things that i'm going to focus on in standing poses when i'm teaching beginners is how to find your stride how to situate your feet your legs and your hips like but do i want my students to think that what i'm telling them on day one is the only thing they're ever going to learn about warrior one or warrior two right to let people kind of understand hey We're always trying to work at the level we're currently at. But over time and over the years, we're going to see that there's a lot more gray area than I'm presenting you today. When we're newer to something, it's easier to learn relatively black and white. So when I'm working with beginners, I'm more likely to be like, okay, there are many, many different ways to do the following thing. But when we are learning it, this is how we are going to do it. And don't be overly attached. You're gonna, the way you do this is gonna change as your body changes and as you get more experience and more refinement. But for today, to start with, the answer is this. I don't wanna give black and white answers without also letting people know over the time with increased exposure and skill, these black and white answers are actually gonna become gray. Mm-hmm. Let them be black and white now, mm-hmm. but know over time they're going to be gray. Mm-hmm. I, and one quick thing is like, when you think about, I give this example in other contexts, but when, when Sophia, our daughter, was two, like let's say she was two or anyone has a two-year-old and they come in and they have a box of matches in their hands, like you're going to, you're probably going to have them give you that box of matches. You're going to have them not play with matches and it's going to be a black and white conversation.
0: Matches are dangerous.
1: Matches are dangerous. You don't play with them. Well, you probably continue to not play with them and they still are dangerous, but do I want my grown child to like not have any clue as to like the utility of yeah, I actually don't ever want her to use a match. But-, <laughs> but, <laughs> when she- but that's
0: your own issue.
1: No, no, I'm joking. But like but the point on this is like there are different things that we learn about the same thing at different phases of our life. And new students should know that.
0: Yes. A match when you are two, black and white issue, it's dangerous. A match when you're 16, it depends on how you use it.
1: Totally. Right. Last two. Learning and progress is rarely linear. I will almost I can almost put a corollary to this which is plateaus are normal. So I said earlier that it's nice for beginners to know and get exposed to the idea that they are going to be confused and that's okay. But if a beginner does like a 4 week beginner course <clears throat> like the ones that I have available in this course, but if if a beginner does a 4 week beginner course they're actually going to learn a lot relatively quickly. This, this is actually a pretty excel going from no knowledge of something to some knowledge of that thing is actually a pretty high rate of learning. Right. Right. And I think for a lot of people in their first several months of yoga, they learn a lot pretty quickly. And then they might have some months where, they don't learn much more, where their body doesn't change. And then over time, they might have another accelerated rate of change and growth and development. And then they might have some phase of their life where they stop practicing for a while, or they get an injury, or they get sick, or life happens, and they're not practicing for a couple of weeks, or a couple of months, or whatever it is, and they come back and yeah, they 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 might have gone a little bit "quote unquote" backwards mm-hmm. in their progress. I think it's really important that students don't spend much time thinking, "Well, I used to be able to," and and I just think that when we embrace the reality that a lifelong practice is not going to be linear, that's a very good thing. It, it just it just The way, the kinds of people that are practicing yoga in a modern era are much more householder based Mm -hmm. and have many more things in their lives calling for their attention than the rarefied groups that used to be invited to practice. Mm -hmm. And so this is just such that beginners should expect a not tumultuous learning experience, but... You're gonna go through a lot of different developmental phases, and sometimes you're gonna feel in your body like you, like maybe you take took a little step back.
0: Yeah, I mean, a perfect example of that, which I wouldn't necessarily articulate to a beginner, but to to listeners, uh, is just if you if you become injured, you can really start. It can be really. Um, Demoralizing because you can feel like, oh my gosh, I can't do this right now. I can't do that right now. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it again. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that pose the way I was doing it, because that's what injured me. And you might not, but you'll probably come out of that injury having learned a lot. And that learning is it is almost like an accelerated growth when you come out of an injury because you learn so much more in depth about your body, why it happened what happened what you were doing you think about things differently you feel things differently so i don't know that was just yeah. one example that came to mind for me
1: absolutely i think the last thing and also let me let me pause and just say like this is this is an ambitious list right this is an ambitious list so i think for readers or for listeners like you pick a couple things and you focus on those things and you communicate those things And you dial direct, you just literally, especially when you're working with beginners, spell it out. Just literally take some of these things that you're hearing and thinking, yeah, that's important. Just literally say that to students. Like, hey, before we start practice today, let me just, I just want to remind you of something. We tend to focus a lot on flexibility and flexibility is good. But integrity of movement is really important. So we have to focus on strengthening things too and how those things work together. Okay, here's how we can do it. Let's go. Like like really spelling th- these things out for your students, I think is hugely valuable, mm-hmm. okay? Now, mm-hmm. final thing that comes up for me, and it's that I think it's really twofold. It's number one, it's that the asana practice is a component of a much, much broader set of practices. That's number one. And number two, that it had its origin in India, right? So the two parts, right? So number one, asana is a very vital, especially in modern times, integral component of a much larger set of traditions. And number two, the origin of this practice is in India. And, and I think that I think the reason that both of these things are important is number one, well, it's all of these, these things are true, right? But number one, your yoga teachers are always going to be hinting at or alluding to or overtly talking about philosophy, yoga philosophy. There's like, there's always this like, I don't mean this negatively. There's almost, there's always this like dangling of, oh, there's something else. This this is 12 p.m. power hour and we're sweating it out. But yoga, there's more to yoga than just what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And this is like, I think like pretty much every class I ever took early on, teachers were like, and there's philosophy too.
0: So So wait, but are you saying... So what's your point? Because
1: my, Yeah, so my point is, I think that we just, like, I think that we want to be express with our students that are learning yoga. Like, hey, there is much more to this. There are breathing practices, there are meditation practices, so there are devotional practices, yeah. there are philosophy. Like, to just kind of spell it out to them that asana's an important part of, of a much bigger thing. Okay. And I and the reason is number one, because it's true. Number two, because those things are phenomenally interesting in and of themselves. And number three, because I feel like like I was saying, there is this, there's this alluded to subtext that it's there, but it's not always really spelled out that it's there. Okay. Does that am I making sense on that one?
0: Yeah, just to spell it out a little
1: bit more. Yeah, spell it out a little bit more. And for beginners, I think about this a lot. I've talked to you many different occasions that teaching philosophy in a drop-in yoga class is. I think it's really hard. Yeah, super hard. So there are all sorts of things you can do for your beginners. You can create for your beginners a little handouts about the other limbs of the yoga practice. You could create for your beginners a nice, simple little reading list. You could, if you were teaching a series, even include the option of participating in a yoga philosophy book club You could do recommended readings. Like there are a lot of things as a yoga teacher that you can be an advocate for in terms of learning the other dimensions of this practice. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. And then I think the other part that's important about the acknowledgement or the inclusion of its origin in India, I think think it's for me twofold, threefold. Number one, because it's true. But number two, because I believe that that as an acknowledgment to the origin and to some of the original sources is valuable. Like it's it's an it's an important acknowledgment and it's important to address the root culture from which things come. And then I think finally I think it's good for the student. I think it's good for the student because I think anytime you help people understand context and you and you help them know that they're part of something that actually has a legacy and traditions that go back it I think it helps us feel included in something oh okay do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i i always felt as a student of yoga that it was very like it was interesting and it was it was an it was like an added benefit that I was participating in a continuum, albeit the continuum is diversified, right? But I always find that I always found value that I was doing something that had legacy and pedigree and history. It gave me a a feeling of context. Being
0: a part of something. And connection.
1: Than being yourself. being part of something bigger. Yeah. Right? So the acknowledgement to the source, but also the feeling of including yourself in something, like you say, that's bigger mm-hmm. and older than you, is really valuable for us mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. feel like we're part of something bigger. hmm. That's really important. That's Mm -hmm. a really important takeaway from this practice.
0: Mm -hmm. Not to mention, obviously, like paying homage to where it came from. Right, right. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: That's the first component. And that's where I mean, like the acknowledgement component, like the acknowledging and the honoring is good for the source, but also good for the the current practitioner for that continuity and connection.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that was interesting. I love the I love working on lists like this because it really forces you to um, to do the work of, like you said, reflecting on what is most important to you, summarizing it, and choosing right. Because yes, you, so so yes. this is something that you talk about when when you teach the course. Is like really helping people, really facilitating this process for people so that they can also hone in on what is most important to them and what they most want to convey to their students so um, we'll do more of this Sounds in good. other areas okay thanks so much Jason thank you alright everyone so as we mentioned the course will go on sale on January 15th 2023 which is really soon and I will put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 286 and, um, if you want to learn more about the program, you can go to learn.jasonyoga.com beginners. Happy new year. Great to be back with you. Take care of yourselves. And until next week, enjoy your practice.